Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I sit down with Dr. Scott Schur. Dr. Scott is a board-certified internal medicine physician, certified in hyperbaric oxygen therapy, also known as HBOT, and health optimization medicine. He is the founder of Integrative HBOT, a worldwide telemedicine practice where he consults, educates patients and clinics using his novel approach to hyperbaric therapy that includes cutting-edge and dynamic HBOT protocols comprehensive laboratory testing, targeted supplementation, personal practices, synergistic technologies, and more. Dr. Scott has consulted with clinics around the world, including Upgraded Labs, Remedy Place, LMS Wellness, Port Neuro Cairo, and many others. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Dr. Scott, but before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. And second, I want to take a moment to thank the Carlfeld Center, who makes this show possible. Hi, Dr. Scott. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I am really happy to have you on today. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Haley. My pleasure. And I just wanted to ask you, and I'm sure you get this all the time, but as a conventionally trained doctor, as an internist, what led you to become an expert in hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Well, it's funny because most people that get into this world of alternative integrative health started off because they had their their own personal story of their own challenges with their own health. You'll find that with a lot of doctors that have gotten into the space. My story is a little bit different. I started off as the son of a chiropractor. So I grew up very out of the box since I was a kid, always seeing things outside of the box and actually not having any idea what was inside that conventional box at all until I decided, well, wouldn't it be a great idea to be a medical doctor so I can learn that box. And then also because of my background and how I grew up in that world, have already that sort of as my foundation and then bring them together in some sort of high-minded way of changing the world, making people feel better, et cetera. And so that's how I got involved in the world of hyperbaric medicine, interestingly enough, because I found that hyperbaric therapy was very effective for these really terrible wounds and trauma and all these other acute care kinds of things that were happening in hospitals and diabetic foot ulcers and radiation injury from cancer treatment and chronic bone infections and others. And so I realized when I was going through and learning about it during medical school, that there was much more to it than what we were doing in the hospital. There was a lot that was being done 
outside the United States looking at research for uh, for lots of different types of conditions, and that it was just a very simple technology, and that I could create, and that's what I've done over the last 10 years, really create an integrator practice around the utilization of hyperbaric therapy in a context that looks at the whole picture, not just the chambers, but how it can help in a lot of different ways for people. Wonderful. Well, I'm so grateful to have you on today because I've heard so much about this for helping with side effects of cancer treatments and even, mm-hmm. you know, prevention and all that kind of stuff. So I'd love to hear more and what is it exactly for people that have no idea? Sure, sure. Yeah, we're using hyperbaric therapy in cancer in a lot of different ways these these days. And I can definitely go into those later. But I think, yes, it's important to give you a basic feel of what's happening in a hyperbaric chamber. So what we're doing is that we're combining two things. We're combining increased atmospheric pressure with increased inspired oxygen. So pressure is interesting. So if ever everybody's everybody's been on an airplane before. So in an airplane, you have a environment that's pressurized to be at 8,000 feet above sea level. So that's typically what you're on when you're on an airplane. Uh, and when you're going underwater, you're going underneath water that's extremely heavy, and that's creating a pressure on you too. And so in a hyperbaric environment, we're actually increasing the amount of pressure your body is under, and we're simulating the pressure you would feel under a certain amount of seawater. Water is heavy. If you picked up a bucket of water before, water is heavy. And so it's that heaviness that we simulate you feeling when you're in a chamber. No water involved at all. But what you do feel is a pressurization sensation in your ears, like if you were on a plane or if you were on a train that was going in a tunnel, for example, underwater. Okay, so that's the pressure piece. So we're increasing the amount of pressure that's in the environment around you. The second thing we're doing is we're increasing the amount of oxygen that you breathe. Typically, you're breathing 21% oxygen at sea level. Here in Colorado, where I live, it's about 16% oxygen at about 5,000 feet elevation where I live. But typically, 21% oxygen is in the air that you're breathing. The rest of it is mostly nitrogen, uh, except if you're in a big city and other polluted areas, you'll get the other kinds of fun gases like carbon monoxide poisoning and other kinds of fun ones too. But typically it's 21% oxygen. And for most of us, that's all we need to maintain our usual physiologic function. If you've ever put on a pulse oximeter on your finger, and that's these devices that everybody knows since COVID is checking how much oxygen's in your body. What it's actually doing is checking how much oxygen's on your red blood cells. The red blood cells are the cell in your body that carry oxygen from your lungs when you take a deep breath or a shallow breath, whatever kind of breath, and bring it to the rest of your body so that you can maintain the ability to make energy because oxygen's really important for you to make energy in your cells. Without oxygen, most of us know we don't live very long. That's because this oxygen is what allows us to make energy in our cells. So typically we're doing pretty well already because we have 98% of those cells uh, that are saturated with oxygen when they leave the lungs. And that's what a pulse oximeter is showing you. A normal pulse ox will show between 96 and 100% oxygen. And that's the cells are pretty well saturated. But what we do in a hyperbaric chamber is that we increase that 21% to 100%. And then we pressurize you, put you in the chamber and pressurize. And when you do that, you're not only getting the oxygen on your red blood cells, but you're getting oxygen in the liquid of your bloodstream, which is called your plasma. You can get up to 1200% more oxygen in circulation as a result of combining the pressure with the oxygen. You know, one of the questions I always get is, why can't you just put a face mask on and get more oxygen that way? Is because if you don't have pressure, you won't get that driven oxygen into the plasma itself. Ah, that makes sense. So you always hear that 
cancer doesn't like oxygen. So I know that's like a simple way of saying it, but is that why this is really good for people going through cancer? So let's go through it because I think there's a lot of different ways that hyperbaric therapy is being used in cancer care now. And I think the first thing to talk about always is the one that's insurance covered by Medicare in the United States, and that's radiation injury from cancer treatment. The actual term is delayed radiation injury. So these these are in patients that have had radiation treatment for cancer, and that six months or after the cancer radiation treatment, they have some sort of injury within the radiated field. So that could be a prostate that was radiated and starting having or continuing to have passing blood in your urine or having blood in the bowel movements or or significant pain or or things like that, that these are related to radiation. They last six months or greater. Hyperbaric therapy is fantastically effective at helping reverse these, these radiation injuries is what it comes down to. And the physiology of it or what's happening on, like underneath the hood is important. So what we're doing in hyperbaric chamber is that we're getting all this oxygen in circulation and we're doing it immediately. And what's happening is that there's an immediate shift in your in your physiology and what's happening in your cells. Like you're getting a lot of energy produced, that's for sure, because you have more oxygen, but you're also getting more stem cells released, that you're decreasing inflammation, that you're improving blood flow, you're reversing low oxygen states, which is all very good. And you're also treating infection, some of the infections that do not like high oxygen environments. And then what happens is over a protocol of hyperbaric therapy, like let's call it oxygen training, training your body over time, you're actually shifting your body's ability to make new blood vessels, decrease inflammation over the long term, get more stem cells to regenerate areas of air, of tissue that have been damaged, like in a radiation injury, for example. Um, and then also just sort of rebuild the scaffolding of tissue that's been damaged from whatever has happened before, whether it's been a radiation injury or any other type of injury, you can rebuild that scaffolding, but it takes more time. Okay. So the first way we use hyperbaric therapy in cancer is the most clinically proven. It's the most, it's, it's insurance covered. It's radiation injury from cancer treatment. And it is the most effective way to treat these types of injuries actually across the board. Over 80% of people will get improvements when hyperbaric therapy is used for radiation injury. So it's not subtle. I mean, I've had people, anything from prostate cancers to GI related cancers to head and neck cancers, radiation necrosis in the brain from radiate from radiation exposure to the brain. It's vastly underutilized for this. And unfortunately, it's vastly under-referred as well, which means that the doctors won't think about hyperbaric therapy until it's like a last gasp sort of thing. But if they could refer earlier, you know, people would have better results, as you can imagine. So um, that's the first way that hyperbaric therapy is used in cancer and very effectively so. But there are more ways, which I'm happy to get into. Yeah. I was wondering, I mean, even for surgeries, I know, you know, I had ovarian cancer and I had, I have this huge right. scar from an uh, inch above my belly button all the way down. And it was painful and took a long time to heal. Right. So that's one of the other ways that we can use hyperbaric therapy in cancer is for surgical recovery and also for surgical preparation, because some of our protocols will have people go into the chamber before you get the surgery to, to prepare the tissue for surgery because you're getting it oxygenated, more blood flow, et cetera. And then after the surgery, you get into the chamber for five or 10 sessions, sometimes more to help with that surgical healing process. So that's certainly one of the main ways we can use hyperbaric therapy, not only for cancer-related surgery, but any type of surgery that you might have, whether it be plastic surgery to fix your nose or the facelift, or if it's a cancer surgery or orthopedic surgery, anything else in between. So certainly hyperbaric therapy can help with the healing process there. It also can help in people that are 
that are looking at alternative cancer care types of modalities, like for example, the ketogenic diet. And this goes in with your question before about you know how cancer um, doesn't like high oxygen kind of thing. So we think that most cancers, not all, um, do not like to grow when there's extra oxygen around, you know, especially there's cancers like glioblastoma, which is a brain cancer, for example, is very hypoxic, which means that the tissue itself creates a very low oxygen environment around the tumor itself. And that protects it from being seen by the immune system by, and then it also helps it grow. And so we think that combining hyperbaric therapy with other, other oxidative therapies, other therapies that are helping also potentially to either stress the cancer or to also, you know, combat the cancer directly might be effective. So for example, with the ketogenic diet, we think that the ketogenic diet, like a very high fat, low carbohydrate diet that starves the, the brain and the or the body of glucose will also stress cancer cells. And that stress combined with the oxidative stress of hyperbaric therapy, which is the extra oxygen coming in at high levels, may be able to mitigate, regress, help with what's going on, with the, uh, depending on the type of cancer potentially. So that's what uh, Tom Seafried and Dom Diagostino have called the press pulse technique, where the press is the ketogenic diet and the pulse is the hyperbaric therapy on top of it. And so, and we've also used hyperbaric therapy in combination with other oxidative therapies like IV vitamin C and mistletoe and artemisinin and all these other kinds of things too. But the nice thing about hyperbaric therapy in all of these capacities, it's not mutually exclusive to conventional side of chemotherapy, radiation. It can be used in combination with these things too. And in fact, there's some evidence that it can make radiation chemotherapy work better if you need it to work better as well. Oh, good to know. Because that was a question I had for you. Is it okay to use with chemotherapy? Because I know people are so afraid, you know, their doctor is going to say, no, don't do this. It depends on the chemo and it depends on the cancer. Because if it's a cancer that's highly sensitive to chemotherapy, so say it's like a testicular cancer, for example, like you don't want to go into hyperbaric chamber to make the, the, the chemotherapy any, any more effective because you don't need it to. In fact, you don't want it to be because there's toxicity aspects of that. But if it's something like a, like a metastatic ovarian cancer, for example, that doesn't have a very great track record with chemotherapy over the long term, it could be potentially something that you use in combination to make the chemotherapy more effective, dep- depending on the type of chemo that's being used. If it's a very highly oxidative chemotherapy, like the platin drugs, for example, like you have to be, you have to be more careful because chemotherapy is working in the same way that the hyperbaric therapy is working. Synergy could be good, but could also potentially overshoot in some ways too, and be detrimental. So you have to be more mindful in that capacity. Now, do you ever talk to oncologists and let them know, okay, this is what's going on. I don't know if you have that kind of relationship with, with regular, (laughs) regular conventional oncologists or, or anything like that. Most of the oncologists that I work with are integrative oncologists. Okay. Uh, they're not the conventional ones. What I really look for in an oncologist that's a, that's a conventional one is at least that they're a little bit more open-minded. I mean, I don't anticipate, especially when something's not covered by insurance. So if we're talking about using hyperbaric therapy for, with the ketogenic diet for a str- cancer mitigation strategy, certainly it's going to be an out-of-pocket cost for the people that are using the chambers uh, and obviously the ketogenic diet is going to be on their own most likely because the cancer doctors are not going to be supportive of that. But what regular docs have a hard time with, I find, is that they have a hard time, even if they're open-minded, recommending something that's not covered by insurance because they don't want you spending your money on something that's not proven. And I, and I, and I understand that. I understand that perspective. But uh, over the years, I've certainly spoken to conventional oncologists. I've worked with oncologists at, at some of these integrative centers 
at some of the larger hospitals um, around the U.S., but they're really integrative in name only is what it comes down to. Like they'll talk about acupuncture and and um, support groups and you know, things like that. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, so but I have worked a little bit with UCSF, a little bit with Sloan Kettering over the years because they do have a little bit more a uh, little more interest in doing things a little bit more outside the box sometimes, but you know, it's, it's not that easy to find, unfortunately. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure your experience is, is the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I wanted to ask. So you explained that, you know, it helps with surgeries and, and side effects. What, what would you say, like the side effects that it helps? That's the other piece that we haven't mentioned is that there's a, a a growing group of people that I'm seeing that are using hyperbaric therapy, not for the cancer itself, not for radiation injury per se, but they're just using it for the recovery piece um, and or the quality of life piece, you know, in the sense that if they've gone through a lot and they're now chronically anemic, for example, they're, they're chronically low blood counts because of chemotherapy, their blood counts never came up, for example. I have seen hyperbaric therapy be very helpful in that capacity because it increases the amount of energy you can make and it just gives you a little bit more of a bump or hop in your step kind of deal. And you feel better for three to five hours after you get out of the chamber. That That's a big deal, right? Um, in other people that have had issues with things like chemo brain or radiation brain where they've had cognitive issues related to uh, their cancer treatment, I've seen significant benefit of using hyperbaric therapy to help with brain inflammation and just overall help with improving cognitive function, you know, overall. So, and then for people that have had like neuropathies and other, those kinds of things from chemo and radiation, I've had some success, but it's, it's kind of intermittent. It really depends. Unfortunately, sometimes, sometimes if it's a very acute neuropathy because of the chemo, I've seen improvements, but other times, you know, I I haven't seen as much as well. Okay. So, and then for people who decide I don't want to do chemotherapy or any traditional treatments, is this something you suggest that people can do? If it's safe, and then we can talk about what's what's safe and not safe in the sense of like what's a reason, what are reasons why you don't want to go into hyperbaric chambers. But in essence, I would say that I have worked with people that are purely doing this for quality of life in the sense that like there's not a whole lot, whole lot more options for them. They're kind of doing their own natural processes of looking at maybe other alternative medicine, or maybe they've stopped everything. Um, and they're really just there for quality of life. And I don't use it that much that way, but I have used it over the years on occasion and, you know, have seen some benefit, you know, um, but it's always a risk versus benefit. And the the risk in this case is usually just not get, getting to spend time with their families and doing other things that they want to do as opposed to being in a chamber. Um, but if it really does help, then it's something that I have used in the past just uh, to, to further the quality of life side of things too. Okay. Okay. But usually there's something there that, that's going on. Usually it's like an anemia or like a chemo brain or like a neuropathy or like even, um, even some patients with like lung fiber, like lung inflammation and, and pulmonary issues, which I always am very careful of in the hyperbaric chamber, but because of potential side effects on the lungs, but that the lungs can potentially have issues, but um, at deeper pressures, especially. Um, but at the milder pressures, I've, I've had some success with people with, with, with pulmonary inflammation uh, side effects as well, interestingly enough. Okay. And yeah, I mean, what are some of the risks involved in doing it? So the two things we're using are pressure and oxygen. So we don't want to put people under pressure and oxygen that cannot tolerate pressure and oxygen. And the, the reason why you wouldn't be able to tolerate that is if you have, uh, if you have a couple of things. So 
pregnant women aren't, aren't allowed in the chamber unless they have an emergency situation. Um, the major issues you want to have the people have normal heart and normal lung function. And also if they have a seizure, a seizure disorder that it's controlled. Okay. Because it, you need to have a normal heart because the pressure requires your, your, your heart has to pump against the pressure under in, in a hyperbaric environment. So you have to have um, a heart function above a certain amount, above 35%. You know, typically normal is a heart pumping about 55 or 60% of blood each beat. So you need to be pumping about 35% or more each beat to be able to be safe in the hyperbaric chamber. You also have to have normal lungs to, uh, although you can have mild issues, but lung issues, we get the oxygen in the body by your breathing, your breathing oxygen and pressurizing, right? So as a result, you have to have normal lungs to be able to do that. So if you have a history of like emphysema, COPD, you're requiring oxygen uh, already, you wouldn't be a good candidate for being in a hyperbaric environment. If you had severe lung disease like asthma, uh, that's uncontrolled or restrictive lung disease where your lungs don't open that well, those could be potentially unsafe to go into the chamber. Uh, not always unsafe. They sometimes can go in. It just depends on the situation. But those are some of the things that we try to screen out. Um, and also, if you have a, if you have an uncontrolled seizure disorder, um, or if even if you do have um, a controlled seizure, seizure disorder, you can go in the chamber, but you do have a risk of having seizures in the chamber um, over the long term if, uh, if you do have a seizure disorder. And so it's something that we have to just mitigate with various things that we can do inside the chamber to, to prevent that. Oxygen toxicity is really what I'm talking about. These are things that can happen when you have a lot of oxygen in the body. And then as a result of that can cause stress on various organs and systems. So uh, oxygen induced seizure is a very rare side effect. It's one of the most rare, but it's one of the most obviously concerning. So you don't have, a, have, to, have, have to have a seizure disorder to have a seizure in the chamber. So that's why it's really important to be, be looked at or speak to somebody that can mitigate your risk, understand what your risk is. And there's way to, ways to do that actually. And so in like alternative cancer care, what we'll do is think about ketones, for example, and, and how other ways that you can pr protect the brain specifically from the oxygen. The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlfeld. I'm the owner of the Carlfeld Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting-edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more of what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarfoldcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McLellan, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Nasha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carful Center call at 208-338-8902 or visit our website at thecarfulcenter.com. I wanted to know how often does someone need to go into the chamber if they're going through cancer treatment, let's say, and they have six months that they're doing chemotherapy? I know it probably varies for everyone, but what is the, the norm that you suggest? It just depends on what they're using the chamber for. So if they're using it specifically for uh, like surgical recovery, 
then it might be maybe three to 10 sessions around the surgery to help with recovery, for example. If it's like the ketogenic diet with hyperbaric oxygen therapy, then we don't know exactly. I mean, the research has been done in animals and it was done with hyperbaric treatment three times a week for two months. But I've worked on protocols that are now a little bit different than that with patients over the years. So a lot of it depends on the type of cancer, the patient, the other medical history, uh, what other kinds of things that they're doing. Because the other piece of this is that's important when it comes to cancer care with me is that I very rarely will work with somebody that at least hasn't spoken to an integrative oncologist once. Because what I've found over the years, Billy, and I'm sure you can resonate with this, is that cancer just didn't come out of the blue, right? There is a lot of other underlying foundational things that likely need to be addressed from a cellular perspective, a gut, those kinds of things that really should be at least considered before getting into a hyperbaric environment. And so that's a really big piece for me. And so I'm often referring over to integrative oncologists before even, unless it's an emergency that we need to get them in the chamber, uh, referring to integrative oncologists almost always before I start uh, really getting involved in the hyperbaric treatment protocol. Okay, great. And how long is someone in it typically? So typically about 90 minutes, um, can be 60, but 60 to 90 minutes is the most common. Okay. Got it. And, you know, I'm seeing franchises that have the hyperbaric oxygen. Do you know anything about those? I mean, I know there's one in Cleveland and maybe I shouldn't name it, but there is one mm-hmm. and people tend to want to go to it. But I, I was curious what you would say about a place like that. So the key here is to understand the difference between the different types of chambers. So there are mild soft bag units that that go to a certain milder pressure, so they don't go as deep. And then there are medical grade units that go to deeper pressures. Um, so the medical grade units that go to deeper pressures have various indications, and the meta- and the, the soft side units that go to milder pressures have different indications. So typically, the milder pressures, the ones you can get at a chain like that, um, are more for neurocognitive optimization. They're not as much for systemic treatment as for sure for cancer, as far as a synergistic approach, unless you're using it as a recovery tool from neurocognitive types of challenges after cancer treatment. So there might be a role for those types of devices in that capacity, but in general, from like a treatment synergy perspective, most of the time we're using deeper pressures in the medical grade units for hyperbaric therapy. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So if someone is interested in doing this, what should they do? So it's a good question. I think a lot of it depends on kind of where they are in their journey. I think if they are interested in hyperbaric therapy, there's a lot of research out there, a lot of of talks that I've done over the years that I give an overview, I think, just like we're doing today and try to give people a feel. Um, But the, the next step really would be Oftentimes what happens is that people will contact me and they say, uh, because I have a, I do a remote telemedicine consulting practice. I talk to people all over the world, trying to help them understand how best to integrate hyperbaric therapy into their treatment plans, whether it be cancer, performance, anything in between as well. So, and I work with a lot of different types of providers. And so oftentimes if somebody contacts me and they say, Hey, Dr. Scott, I want to do hyperbaric therapy and I have cancer. My first question is, are you working with an integrative oncologist? So I will often refer them out before they work with me, understand how best integrate the chamber inside of what they're doing. So if they're doing conventional cancer care 
and they want to get into the chamber, I would encourage them to see an integrative oncologist at least work on that that foundational piece. Uh, Dr. Nisha Winter call, Winters calls it the terrain piece. I call it, you know, I call it foundational piece, but it's it's all the same thing. I would highly recommend that before going into the chamber. However, if they say no, I want to, I don't want to do that. We're just going to do conventional cancer care and hyperbaric therapy. Like I'd say, okay, we could we could talk about a protocol and how we can integrate that. And so we talk about how to integrate integrate that with chemo, how to integrate that with radiation, how to integrate hyperbaric therapy with with uh, with the ketogenic diet. Like so, the protocols really do vary depending on what else you're doing. So it's not like it's not very cookie cutter. I wish I could say it's um, it's this, this treatment, this many months, this many treatments, and you're done. It's it's like no, well. If you're doing like a severely, like a significantly oxidative chemo, then maybe you want to take off that week because we don't want to do any hyperbaric therapy that week. We'll start the following week, right? Or like there's a lot of nuance here is what it comes down to. So I think what it comes down to is that what I recommend anybody that has cancer do is find an integrative oncologist to work with. I think that at least have a couple of conversations just to kind of get a feel. If you're on the recovery side of things though, um, the terrain piece or the foundation piece is still really important. So even if you talk to me, that's the first thing I'm going to tell you if you haven't done it is, is got to find somebody to work on that terrain foundational piece. But I would also say that um, there's lots of ways to use the chambers to help with recovery, you know, regardless of what you decide you want to do. Oh, I'd love to hear just a little bit about that. Like, you know, for people who have finished treatment and they're just, you know, low energy and right. for some brain fog and that kind of thing. Right. So ideally they're doing the terrain or the foundational stuff, but at the same time using hyperbaric therapy and various pressures, neurologic pressures, systemic pressures, depending on what's specifically going on will help guide the protocol. But in general, when we're trying to deal with inflammatory kinds of things like that, you're talking about treatment protocols that are usually at least about 20 sessions. And this is like successive days, Monday through Friday, weekends off to see if you can make a significant shift in how they feel. So this would be a shift in um, their cognitive function, shift in brain fog, um, shift in air energy, or it can even help them with recovering from injuries or or inflammation in other places, joints, lungs, neuropathies, those kinds of things. You can, But usually I like people to try to do at least 20 to see if it's going to be helpful for them because you don't know ahead, you don't know before that if it's going to be something that's going to make a big difference. Uh, or you, you, we have inclinations that it will, but you know you don't know for sure until you get about twenty sessions or so in. And I'd love just to for you to quickly let me know just some other things that this helps with because you know we're talking about cancer, but there's plenty of people that listen that sure you know caregivers, people that yeah. So I'd love to hear. Yeah. So in the beginning, I mentioned about some of the what are called the on-label indications, the insurance coverable. So this is diabetic foot ulcers that are not healing. This is radiation injury from cancer, six months out post-radiation. So also the chronic bone infections. These are bone infections that don't get better. There are also two others that are pretty well described. One is sudden hearing loss. We don't know why this happens, but some people lose their hearing and hyperbaric therapy can be helpful in recovering it. And there's also grafts and flaps from plastic surgery. So for example, if you had breast cancer and you had a uh, reconstruction after a mastectomy, if that flap or graft wasn't taking and it was looking bad, you can go into a hyperbaric chamber and maybe help that recovery and that re- recover and make, make it maybe it'll actually be okay kind of thing. So there's that side of things. And then the off-label side, these are the things that are not covered by insurance, but are also with significant data. This includes things like traumatic brain injury or con- concussion, uh, stroke post-stroke, uh, 
dementias, looking at Parkinson's and Alzheimer's dementia, seeing some, some, some significant benefit, but also understanding that these patients often require a lot of that foundational work as well. Uh, Pre-post-surgery, as we were mentioning, so outside of the, sur the, uh, the surgical oncology world, but in the the surgery world, we see significant benefit in using hyperbaric therapy for surgical recovery. Also see for chronic infections, things like Lyme disease and staph, staph aureus infections, using it also in performance-related metrics. So performance, anti-aging, regenerative therapies. There's some studies that have been looked at hyperbaric therapy and longevity and some markers of longevity improvements using hyperbaric therapy. It's also being used in kids on the autistic spectrum with cerebral palsy, as well with some improvements, uh, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. These are these are all things where hyperbaric therapy can be helpful. But it's it's always important also just to remember the the context of the person, in the sense of like it's not just about getting into the chamber. It's about what are they also are they also doing like kind of before, during, and after, especially before to really optimize physiology and and optimize their recovery and and and, and feel better too. Right. I mean, there's not one thing that, that helps, right? It's a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. What I would say though, is if, if it's an acute issue, like an acute trauma, acute injury, uh, acute infection, even if it's, it's an oxygen sensitive infection, then you don't need anything else to see a significant benefit rather than other than just being in the hyperbaric environment. But if there's a long-term goal or a chronic issue, then it takes a lot more than just hyperbaric therapy most often. Okay. It's funny. I'm thinking about my arm because I play pickleball and it, my bicep, it, it's been killing me. You and everybody else these days. Yeah. It's so much fun, but I'm thinking, wow, maybe that can help. Yeah. I mean, certainly if you keep doing the thing that caused the inflammation, uh, it's going to keep coming back just like a tennis elbow or whatever. Right. But it can help mitigate symptoms with rest. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're using it in an athlete's for, for day-to-day -day recovery and of course, injury recovery too. So you know, these people, all of us that you have that in all different types of walks of life, whether it be athletes or, um, or people that just reach down and injure their back or whatever, like you can see hyperbaric therapy as a modality that helps, uh, with inflammation and with help recovery in that capacity too. Great. Well, any last recommendations or any last things you want to touch on before we get into random round? Yeah. I mean, I think that what the key here for me with with what I do is that we're always looking at an integrative strategy here. You're not looking at just hyperbaric therapy. And so I have a company that I developed called OneBase, which is a company that's created a, uh, a phone application education software right now, at least for the home, the home units, the soft shell units right now, where we're looking at how you can integrate various technologies along with hyperbaric therapy in protocols that are for wellness related reasons. So for cognitive improvements, for athletic performance, for uh, for immune system health and things like that. So if people are interested, they can download the app and get on the, the wait list to get some in, more information when we're ready to launch it out to a larger audience. Right now we're kind of in a testing phase. So I think uh, the reason I, I know the reason I did this was I was like a kind of a stepping stone to help people understand more of a framework and how they can use this technology in a, in a more robust way. And get it out there everywhere, right? Yeah. Really neat. That's great. Yeah. So are you ready for a random round? Sure. Yeah. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is. Freedom to me is the way what comes to me is uh, the state of meditation, understanding that, um, that we are perfect as we are. And that's all the layers that we've developed over the years to protect ourselves and everything else that we realize. But if we can just have moments where we, we shut up those layers 
and be in that state of freedom, really. The last show you binged and loved? I haven't binged a show in a long time. Oh, there was a show on uh, USA that I watched. It was really great. What was it called? Uh, Mr. Robot. Fantastic show on USA. If you've never seen it, it's like, it's fantastic. No, I've never seen it. Great. It's a commitment. There's five seasons, but it's worth it. Oh, okay. It's a commitment. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? Somebody told me a long time ago is that you have to move into fear in the sense of, instead of, what's the word? The go away from fear, move to it. So oftentimes what you're fearful of or for is something that you need to go towards. Now, of course, if it's your life, don't do that. But like, if it's an opportunity or a um, a relationship or something that, you know, that you're, that usually that's the sign that you need to be moving towards, not away. Mm, great advice. If you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Yeah, this is a really good question. And I have a couple of different answers to this probably. I think the first answer would be I've always been super intrigued as far as like presidents go with Abraham Lincoln. I always thought it'd be really interesting to meet him and just like what he had to deal with as a president during that time. I seemed like a super cool guy. So I would, I would love to have a conversation about, uh, with him. And I think, um, if I was a little bit smarter, um, and I'm not smart enough to have these conversations, but, uh, who's the guy that was in the, the wheelchair for a long time that, that died recently? That was, um, what's his name? The theory of everything guy. He's the guy that I would like to talk to because I just, I, I love that stuff, but I don't know it that well, but I, I just, um, but that stuff is super intriguing to me as well. So yeah, probably him. Well, I can't forget his name right now. But, you know, I know you're, you're going to think about it. The theory of everything is the movie that was made about him, you know, as well. Yeah. That was a great movie. What is your favorite go-to snack? Uh, depends on the day. Um, usually it's going to be something like, like, a, like a meat stick or um, some nuts or maybe a little bit of dark chocolate. What's one simple thing that brings you joy? Mm. It's not simple, but my sauna. <laughs> Your sauna. I have an infrared sauna that brings me joy. I've been wanting one. Uh, it's my evening routine. It brings me joy. What's on your nightstand? So next to my nightstand is my sound machine, my eye mask, and my earplugs. <laughs> What's your favorite form of exercise? That's a good question as well. I think people say that's a good question when they're trying to stall is what I realized recently. <laughs> um, I, my favorite type of exercise right now is I really, I have a Peloton. I enjoy the Peloton. I enjoy getting on there and doing various types of exercise routines. When I was a kid and younger, I used to like more sports, but I've, I just, I used to love ultimate Frisbee, but I haven't played and I would probably break all of my bones if I try to play that right now with the set with the uh, with my ACLs. But just right now I'd say my favorite type of exercise is usually high intensity and interval training on the bike. What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? I am I'm grateful for um the way I always like to answer this question to my kids is the way I, I'll answer it now is I'm grateful for this moment right now because that's all we have. That's all that really exists. Otherwise we're just pretending. Beautiful. And how can people find you and learn more? So a couple of different places. I think the easiest way to get a hold of me is I have my own website. It's my name, drscottshur.com. You can also get there by going to integrativehbot.com. And that's where I have my, my personal consulting education advocacy practice. I work with people all over the world, with clinics all over the world. I help optimize protocols using hyperbaric therapy. And I 
I work with lots of other providers, integrative oncologists and, and everybody outside of the oncology world as well to really try to optimize and try to work with people and help them get to where they want to go. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Scott Schur, and sometimes I post there not that much. And then I also have my company, uh, OneBase, uh, the, the, the number one spelled out, onebasehealth.com. And that's a place to get some more information about what we're designing there. Those are the major places. So uh, there's probably more. You can also just Google or use your favorite search engine and listen to some of the podcasts that I've done over the years. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think it's going to help a lot of people clarify, you know, what what is this exactly? Because I know it's been around for such a long time, but a lot of people don't know about it and especially in helping with cancer. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And just as a final thought, just it's really important when you're using hyperbaric therapy for oncologic reasons or even other reasons to kind of know why and understand that a couple of treatments may not make any difference. So it's not something that you can just try and see how you feel. It's often something that requires just more time and more intention with how you're going to use it. So, but anyway, just just as a final thought, but thanks so much for having me, Ellie. This has been fun. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.